Welcome to the podcast from the Temple. I'm Rabbi Peter Berg. And I'm Rabbi Lauren Filson Lapidus. This episode is brought to you by the Temple, Atlanta's oldest and youngest synagogue. Boy, uh, Lauren, in this virtual world, Hanukkah has absolutely exhausted me. I'm wiped. <laughs> you know, we were talking in our house about how in normal years we're out every night and we're doing all this stuff for Hanukkah and it's one of our busier holidays. And that did not change with COVID-19. We've been very busy at the temple. We have been busy at the temple. We've, we, I think we've given um, a lot of thought and attention to being the light and to making Hanukkah special for everyone. And uh, I'm thinking about sitting this, uh, this podcast out. You know, it might be time to give you a, a little bit of a break, um, but all joking aside. Not we, that you haven't been, uh, you know, running all of Hanukkah. <laughs> That's all right. It's, it's good. It's good. Um, but no, you know, this, the idea for this episode, um, I think really came to both of us because we'd been so focused on Hanukkah that we kind of hadn't thought past the last night of Hanukkah. But then we get into Christmas and New Year's, which for a lot of our temple families, and as people are going to hear, for some of our temple staff, um, that is part of their celebrations. And this is a time where, you know, when I was growing up, it was, let's talk about the December dilemma. And now it's not really a dilemma, but it's more, this is a time of year when interfaith families especially are trying to kind of navigate some very yeah. unique situations. Yeah, and there are, are members of our staff uh, who uh, are obviously extremely committed to their Jewish faith and also want to honor uh, members of their family who celebrate other traditions. Yep, and uh, while this is more a part of my childhood, but certainly informs my work with the Levin Family Jewish Identity Institute, uh, which is our way of reaching out to, to interfaith families and young couples, uh, you're gonna hear Elizabeth Foster from our education team and Rabbi Lydia Medwin talk about how they uh, will be celebrating Christmas this year and, and how it's really a part of their, um, their family story uh, even now. And I think it's, it's a fun conversation because it really, um, it let us talk a little bit about what we hear that we wish people knew instead. Well, I'm really glad we're doing it. I've got my headphones on so I can just sit back and listen. Here it Enjoy. is. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Lydia. It's so good to see you. Hi, Rabbi. Hi. <laughs> it's, uh, we've had um, different guests from outside of the Temple community, so it's really fun to now be recording with friends and Temple colleagues. And uh, Rabbi Lydia Medwin and Elizabeth Foster are both uh, known to so many in our Temple community, and I'm sure to many of our listeners. Uh, but before we get to the topic at hand, uh, why don't you each share a little bit about how long you've been at Temple and, and what you do there? Uh, sure. So I'll go first. This is Lydia Medwin. I am the Director of Engagement and Outreach. And um, I've been at the Temple now oh, about six and a half years already, which is wild. That's gone by fast for me. Um, and I am Elizabeth Foster. I am the Jewish Identity and Experiences Educator. I think I have the the fun longest title at the temple. It's a fun game. Um, and been, uh, work in the education department um, with the Bremen Education Center and um, our Tamid uh, adult education program. And this is my 15th year at the temple. That is a milestone. Amazing. Yes, it's a big, it's a big deal. <laughs> so 
I asked you to, to join me on the podcast because the three of us share uh, a common thread that in our, our story of how we are involved in the Jewish community and, and then with our families, um, that we identify as being part of an interfaith family or having been raised in an interfaith family. And I know that means different things to each of us at this stage of our lives. Um, and so let's just, let's start by kind of introducing why we might be under this umbrella of interfaith family. So um, as the two of you already know, and for many of our listeners, um, what I was raised by uh, my mother who is, was born Jewish and my father who was not Jewish until six months before I was ordained as a rabbi in 2008. Um, so I was raised Jewish, actively Jewish. I went to Sunday school, taught in Sunday school, helped lead services, was very, very active. And to honor my father's family, we had a Christmas tree. And occasionally when there was family within driving distance, we'd also go and, and visit for Easter where we got jelly beans and, and well, got jelly beans. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was an interesting, you know, piece of, of kind of um, my own background then to, to come to a stage where my father converted. And so no more Christmas tree uh, in our family. Um, and so there, there was a shift, but understanding that as, as um, kind of where I've come from. Uh, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, so I grew up, uh, my mom was born and raised uh, Jewish in Cleveland, Ohio, which is like a Mecca of Judaism, if you haven't been. Um, Midwest uh, person, Cleveland is the place to be. Um, and uh, my father is a practicing Christian scientist, which is not Scientology, for those of you who like to drive by Glen Ridge and Roswell Road, that corner, it's not the same. Um, and so um, I grew up being raised Jewish and would attend uh, Sunday school and was a madracha, a teaching assistant, um, very active with youth groups. Um, but when we didn't have Sunday school and we were younger, we used to go to the Sunday room at my dad's church, um, probably mostly for childcare issues than uh, anything else. Uh, so my mom could have the morning off um, and we celebrated uh, Christmas. Um, we never had Christmas or decorations inside of our home, but it was always something we went to my dad's family um, from Indianapolis, uh, everything driving distance in the Midwest and would go and spend time um, with my grandma and my aunts and uncles there and have my stocking and my ornaments and all the things that um, uh, are part of that part of my family. Great. And Lydia? It is so fascinating to hear the similarities between our stories. I mean, <laughs> so I grew up, um, my dad was born and raised Jewish in the Bronx, like very <laughs> Jewish uh, in, the, in the most stereotypical ways. And then um, my mom was born in the countryside of Tennessee um, to very conservative Christian um, community there. She um, and my father raised me completely um, as identifying as Jewish. I like similar to my colleagues here, went to Sunday school. Uh, I was a, a, te a teacher in high school for the Sunday school. I was involved in our youth group. Um, but throughout my childhood and, um, and, and continuing on, um, we would always go to my mom's family for uh, the Christmas or Christian holidays and celebrate with them in the ways that they celebrated. And, you know, for them, um, for their particular brand of Christianity, um, this holiday was really not about materialism not, or not about like a bunch of presents. I mean, they came from an area of the world that was pretty poor anyway. And um, I remember pulling out Christmas ornaments for their tree 
which were literally gumballs wrapped in tin foil. Like <laughs> that's what they decorated the tree with. Um, it, but the identity of that, of that holiday as a family centered time and as a time for reflection and um, was really important to them. My mom converted to Judaism uh, when I was about 13 years old. And, um, but we continued to celebrate all the holidays with, with my mom's family. It's amazing. There are, you know, similarities and, um, we didn't have extended family really to celebrate Christmas with. So it was in our home. Um, I actually got my engagement ring in front of the Christmas tree on Christmas morning. It's <laughs> just cause that's when it arrived. Um, we were already engaged, but you know, it's, I think all three of us, um, really do defy what I think is a misconception that people have that um, inter children of interfaith families are not engaged in Jewish life. I mean, look, um, all three of us are Jewish professionals and Elizabeth, your brother's also a rabbi. Um, so like, way to go. Your family got <laughs> two for two. <laughs> two for two. I mean, and, and so, you know, like when I'm talking to interfaith couples and, and I say, you know, your kids will still feel, can feel very Jewish and, and be fully Jewish if you want them to be. Um, I, I celebrated Christmas and clearly I turned out okay. Um, if you were, were measuring like Jewish engagements and, and pathway. Um, tell us, uh, you know, share a little bit, a memory or um, a moment, and you can have two if you want, um, it's hard to decide, that really speaks to your experience as, as being part of an interfaith family. Um, it can be positive or negative. Yeah, um, I was thinking about this um, when we talked about doing this uh, recording, and uh, you know, there's that conception of like the gifts at de in December time, and I have a memory of opening Hanukkah gifts, and it was always small things. It was never the the big cool stuff. So it was like you know, the pack of pens or. Um, uh, my socks. <laughs> right, Hanukkah socks, right. My grandparents, the best, blessed memory, my grandma, um, uh, worked as like a, in a dental office. So we would get like new toothbrushes. Um, <laughs> and, so <laughs> <Jewish>. <laughs> um, and so that was like, I have that memory. And then I would go to, um, I have a few memories of Christmas time. And that was where like the big presents were. And, um, I think that, uh, you know, that might have to speak to my families just as much as it does to uh, the stuff. But, you know, that idea of gift giving, um, I think is just so interesting because obviously it's not traditionally a part of Hanukkah, but it was something that like had to be a part of Hanukkah to be able to compete with the, the splendor that uh, Christmas um, has been commercialized around it. So that's something that I was just thinking about, about the presents and the gifts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though the presents weren't a huge part of um, the tradition for my mom's family, it certainly was a part of it. And no kid can deny the excitement of waking up on Christmas morning and having a bunch of things from Santa Claus, which yes, we did as, as children. I believed hard until like third grade. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and the evidence was there. The cookies and milk were gone in the morning. People it is. Our Santa Claus is a very specific font. I found out many years later that my dad had sometimes written and he had the world's worst handwriting. <laughs> um, and it's so funny how those memories are just so precious, you know, um, the, the time with the family there, but it's not without complex complexities. 
Um, so I remember on, on both sides, by the way. So on one side, um, definitely ran into the, the friend, you know, when, who was the same age as me, who would tell me uh, she was very young, had no real clue what she was really saying, but really had questions about my Jewish identity because I celebrated Christmas with my family. And that threw me for a loop for a few minutes. I got to go sit with my rabbi and we sorted that out together, um, which was so, so, I remember that to this day. But then on the other hand, I sometimes went to my, my grandparents' church with them and would hear all kinds of messages about what Jewish people were like. <laughs> we're not always complimentary. Um, and so, it, you know, to say that it is a complex phenomenon that, you know, I know a lot of our families experience today is nothing new. It's something that I think, you know, generations of us have now dealt with, dealt with and navigated. Yeah. And and I, I, oh, go ahead, Elizabeth. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, thinking about like a, a little bit more complex idea is that I have a picture and it actually is in my office. Um, of my bat mitzvah, and it's the Lador Vador from generation to generation part, and my poppy, my grandfather, and my mom are up there, and the rabbi is passing the Torah from generation to generation. And I think, you know, it's something that at the time, I don't remember any feelings or thoughts about it, but, you know, reflecting back as an educator, I'm so grateful that the temple, knowing that if I had my bat mitzvah there, um, my dad would be able to stand up there and be a part of that. And it, it's not, you know, an other or a separate part. Um, he's a part of that family. So I think that there's been a lot of movement um, towards that um, fairly recently, but it's, it's very interesting you guys said that. So, mm -hmm. And I think it's um, attitudes have changed over time. I, my parents, they struggled to find someone who would do their wedding and I remember they had to kind of make do with knowing that they, their congregation, when I was having kind of in my teenage years, were uh, rabbis who were happy to welcome our interfaith family, but wouldn't uh, perform interfaith weddings. Um, I don't know if that's something that, that was ever talked about in your, your families. It certainly was in ours and, and our rabbi at the temple, Temple Israel in Memphis. I know there are some listeners out there who may be uh, have grew up at Temple Israel. Our rabbi there very early on was willing to do interfaith weddings. Um, and my parents are always so grateful that he was willing to do that for them because look at us now. <laughs> it really worked out, I think, in favor of the Jewish people in that case. <laughs> yeah, I don't, um, my parents did not have a Jewish uh, wedding. Um, I think they had a like a judge or someone do their wedding because um, my mom grew up and uh, my family still belongs to a conservative synagogue in uh, Cleveland. So did not grow up in the reform movement. So I don't think that was even an option. Yeah, my mother grew up conservative, but we found ourselves in reform congregations because that was the more welcoming and accepting. It's interesting. One of the, um, you know, I had thought of sort of two memories that sort of encapsulated, I guess, kind of like cautionary tales about just attitudes, I don't know. But um, one was we had um, family friends when I was growing up who were also interfaith, but they did not celebrate Christmas. And so they did Chinese food and movie night, which is a, a, the Jewish Christmas that I never experienced until I was becoming a rabbi and living in Israel. It was like the first year I was like, okay, well, I may as well try this out. Um, and they would always invite us. And then like would nudge my mother because she would say, no, we're, we're, 
we're doing family things that night that are very different. And finally, she had to tell the friend, please stop asking because by inviting, like it's now, you know, we're going to say no. And, and like, it's just time to sort of accept what we do is okay for us and what you do is okay for you. And then I think about, I was in eighth grade and for a year, our synagogue joined with another synagogue for uh, religious school. And the rabbi said something in the assembly about like, if you have the choice, it's much better to marry someone who's Jewish. And I went home and I just said, oh yeah, today we learned about, you know, it's better to date and marry someone who's Jewish. And I have never seen my parents so upset in a community. And so it's this reminder of like, for all the warm and fuzzy memories about what we have that makes sense in our homes for our families, um, it can sometimes be really judgmental once we step outside of there. It sure can. And certainly, I mean, I'll even admit to, to thinking about that question for my own children, you know, um, the, the, the world of marriage and adulting is so complex. Wouldn't it be simpler if they, um, if they were to one day, you know, meet and fall in love with someone who shared some of these most basic um, parts of their lives so that at least that part wouldn't be so complicated at the other, on the other hand, you know, I would never change my upbringing. I think it, it allows me different kinds of perspectives. I feel very secure in my Jewish identity, despite the different kinds of messages I saw as a kid. And, um, and of course, you know, you're going to love who you're going to love. So it's interesting sometimes, and, and this can lead us into some of the misconceptions, I think, that, that people bring. Um, I've had people say of a certain generation, you know, I did something right because my children married Jewish. And it's so interesting because it's like, what does that mean? You know, I, I don't know if you've heard that, but I, what I come back to though is, um, well, if you get Jewish grandchildren, that is, if your children decide to become parents, and they raise their children as Jews, then yes, I will say you've done something right in terms of Jewish engagement and identity formation. But just by luck of the draw that they end up marrying someone Jewish, I don't know, like that's, that's not the be all and end all. Well, there's all these studies that talk about um, the, uh, they've been fascinating because now we've been through a few generations of people who have, have had interfaith weddings and marriages and families. And now, uh, there's all these studies that say that it doesn't actually matter if there's two Jewish parents or one Jewish parent. Um, what matters is how involved the child is in Jewish life in their synagogue community and in their own homes. And that's really the big factor to determining if they're going to grow up to be Jewish adults with sort of thick Jewish identities that want to raise Jewish children more so than who their parents are really. Yeah, I think that the involvement that my brother and I had at camps and with youth group and at our temple um, in Cincinnati and uh, those experiences and going off into college and being involved in Hillel's and uh, that's what shaped uh, the people that we are today and the the, the Judaism that we are and um, just as much as it was the introduction of that by my mom and her family as a child. Um, so it's totally it a huge misconception, I think, that that, that stands. Sure. And I, I think about the number of weddings that I've done of um, graduates of Jewish day schools. I mean, talk about immersive Jewish experience um, who, who went to a K to eight or, or even beyond in, in Jewish day school. And they marry someone who's of a faith background other than Judaism, and they're still raising Jewish kids. And they're talking about nostalgia for Jewish day school, or sometimes it's camp, or traveling to Israel. And we know that those experiences 
pay off. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of if you want, if you're concerned with Jewish survival or Jewish grandparents, then model for your kids and get them engaged in Judaism now and, and engage yourself. And, and then that's kind of the foundation that you need. I think sometimes people think you're just going to like wake up one day and because you're getting married or because you're having a, becoming a parent that you will somehow care about Judaism if you didn't before. <laughs> I have a, a great memory of a friend who said, uh, you know, unless you live in Israel, you have to work for your Judaism. You know, it's not, it is something that on the one hand you're born Jewish and, uh, you know, but we're more than, we, even though we are more than a religion, we are also more than uh, a, a tribe, right? We really have to work to create Jewish identity in, in America where it's, we're not really surrounded by it. If, um, so Elizabeth, I know you and I often do a family ed program in fourth grade where um, we talk about uh, just this time of year as an example of something that I think our kids feel sometimes outside of just this time of year, which is how to have Jewish pride when, when the default is not Judaism, Hanukkah, um, Friday night Shabbat. How do, we, how do we have those conversations? And I know all three of us are helping to, to to talk to people about that. So if you were going to give some advice to families, to, to parents um, who identify as interfaith and are trying to, to navigate some of these things, what would you say? Yeah, I think that uh, there's that um, idea that we need to embrace both sides. You need to honor and celebrate um, uh, both parents um, and both families. and make the celebration of the, the, the priority for you. So um, picking a religion, you know, if it's an interfaith family, uh, choosing to raise your children um, either Jewish or Christian, and then being able to embrace and uh, celebrate uh, that with the family. So, um, you know, when you choose to raise your children Jewish to make Shabbat, you know, maybe not every Friday night, uh, that might be a lot, especially as they get older and are uh, more social and involved in lots of different activities, but, you know, have that once a month, you know, family Shabbat, um, celebrating the holidays together and, uh, you know, and then taking the time uh, to, to celebrate and to honor the other family and the other, you know, religion. Um, and that's for me is what I, learned, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the 10 commandments. It's honoring your father and, and mother. So yes, although I am Jewish, was raised Jewish and uh, continue to celebrate uh, Judaism. Uh, I have the commandment to honor my father and that involves uh, going home for Christmas and uh, being with his family um, or, uh, you know, going to church, you know, maybe once a year I'll go and, meet, you know, say hello to all the people that, you know, he, they hear about me and so they want to meet me and see me. So I think that that balance is super important. So nice. Yeah, agreed totally with what Elizabeth's saying. And I would add a lot of people, I mean, this won't say, sound new to many of our listeners, probably certainly not to my colleagues here, but um, but I recently shared this advice again and, and the, the listener found it helpful, which is to say that, um, we can see those celebrations that um, of other traditions as almost like a birthday party, right? You still bring gifts, you get receive gifts, you know, uh, by going. You get to eat the traditional food. Um, you sing the songs, right? You celebrate in all the different ways, but it's not your birthday. It's the person's birthday they're going to celebrate, and 
um, in the same way, even to this day, <laughs> in a house of three rabbis, because uh, my husband's also a rabbi, of course, and my stepdad is a rabbi, we continue to go back to the countryside of Tennessee and celebrate Christmas with my mom's family um, because it is a celebration for them and, and we love them. And it's important for us to be together to, uh, to support one another. Uh, you know, and now we're also sharing with our children. This is not our tradition, but it is, um, it is our family and we claim them and we love them and we want to celebrate with them um, and we want to be together. So uh, we're walking the complexities again with, with our children and trying to figure out how to walk that line of understanding really who we are and who they are um, and, and being honor filled and respectful all along the way. And, and the bonus is that we get to enjoy all the holidays, <laughs> which right now my children could not be more thrilled about. <laughs> it's so interesting you mentioned that because, um, you know, I went from being Jewish, but having this opportunity to, to celebrate Christmas and honor my father and his family. And it was fun. I mean, and it was easy because like Elizabeth, I'm just like you, Hanukkah was for the Jewish gifts, the socks, the toothbrushes, um, all of my Judaica came then. Um, and Christmas was the time for gift giving. So Hanukkah got to be Hanukkah and Christmas was Christmas. So now I'm married to another rabbi. We have two kids. Um, my father had converted and, and now is deceased. So there's no Christmas celebration. And so for my kids, I actually now have the, the challenge uh, that many um, Jewish, Jewish parents face and navigate, which is telling my kids, yeah, Christmas is super fun. And you don't, you're not celebrating it because that's not what our family does. We don't have a reason to do that anymore. Um, but we're going to have Hanukkah. And we've actually tried to bring back some of the, the secular parts of the Christmas tradition. So we always would make a really nice meal on Christmas Eve. So now we cook a really nice meal on Christmas Eve because it's December 24th. Like there's no religion to it, but we cook a really nice meal. <laughs> and I tell them some stories and, um, but it, it's, you know, the grass is always greener. I think that, that um, interfaith families think that it must be easier if you marry someone who's Jewish. Uh, someone who's Jewish who marries someone who's Jewish is like, maybe it would be easier to have, not have to share all the holidays. You know, it, it, it cuts both ways. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> always better on the other side, right? <laughs> it's true. And, and so I guess, you know, by, by closing, um, what advice would you give to children or teens of interfaith uh, families who, because we, we talked about sort of for the parents, but for the kids, like, what would you say? What do you wish someone had said to you at, at an earlier stage of your life? Lydia, you look ready. Um, so I think, you know, I think for me, I really wanted to, um, I wanted to be able to hear from my clergy, right? That what we were doing was kosher <laughs> to mix my metaphors, right? To be validated in that. So I think I would tell the kids, you know, in, in the same way that we do as a synagogue, I think pretty well, um, you know, whatever your family tradition is, however you're managing to navigate this very complex religious, you know, uh, mixing of families is right for you. And that it is it is good and um, important and and to have that validated, I think would be really important for me. 
Yeah, and I think that I would say say yes to all the experiences and um, take part uh, and do them and uh, participate and learn um, as much as you can because that's going to help uh, you figure out um, where you are and uh, where you want to be. And uh, without the experiences and those learning moments that I had, I wouldn't be where I am today. So hopefully they can embrace that um, all the Judaism, all the temple um, has to offer um, them as they grow up. And I'd also add just one more thing, which is just that I would say to the kids, no matter what you practice, you, this is your home. You belong to the temple um, and you're a part of our people. And so, I, yeah, to just claim all of them and love all of them. I think it's great. I would Amen. agree with both. And, and, you know, let's remember, um, families are rarely 100% consistent. I wish I had been able to reassure my like elementary school self when people are like, well, are you half Jewish? And I'm like, no, I'm Jewish, but I celebrate Christmas. But no, no, no. You, I, what percentage, you know, or like people really <laughs> wanted to like concretize something that actually at its core often felt a little inconsistent. Um, and so families are, we, we, sometimes do things that don't make sense outside of our home. And that's okay. That's what makes us us and makes for really great stories later. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's <Isn't that> true. <laughs> well, thank you both for, for sharing so, um, so honestly. And I would say to all of our listeners, um, if you have questions for any of us, you can, of course, um, email us at our temple email addresses or send something to podcast at the-temple.org and we will um, get it where it needs to go. And just know that three of us are part of a whole temple staff team that really wants to welcome everyone who is seeking a Jewish home. And um, we look forward, if you want to share some of your stories with us, we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, Rabbi Lapidus, for having us on. Yes, Thanks thank you so here. much. <laughs> All right, bye. 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 Well, Peter, what'd you think? I, I love the episode because, first of all, I learned a lot, and I love to learn, and I, I think our listeners are going to learn a lot because um, you all gave us some really interesting, significant, and important advice, and I think we need to take that advice seriously. Um, it's a, it, it, we need to hear everything that you said and to be models for our family and for our friends. It was amazing to me even though I've worked with, with Elizabeth as long as I've been at Temple and with Lydia as long as she's been at Temple, the, the threads and the similarities between our experiences um, and just some of those common themes, I think uh, it, it, it was neat to be able to hear them and, and to be able to share them. And, and I think, you know, as we come to, to the end of this episode and, and as we're coming towards the end of 2020, it's a chance to, to wish everyone, you know, a happy end of Hanukkah, but also, if your family celebrates a Merry Christmas to those who are part of our community, but for whom Christmas is their, their holiday that they're bringing to their family, and for everyone, a very happy new year, because let's hope 2021 gets better. <laughs> well, I'll just say amen, amen, and amen. It's just really a, a great episode. Uh, thanks for sharing it with us. Uh, and uh, again, everybody, we wish you much love and joy and happiness and uh, continue to be the light. That's been our message, and, and, and it keeps going. So this has been yet another episode of The Podcast from The Temple. Where we inspire lives. And transform our world.